welcome to the panic pod today's episode is on obsessive compulsive disorder um, also known as OCD my name is Joshua Fletcher and I'm a psychotherapist and author based in Manchester UK I'm also called anxiety Josh on Instagram and my co-host is Hi, I'm Ella Jean. I'm a Canadian musician who's not qualified to do any kind of therapy to anyone except Josh in hypothetical situations. <laughs> yeah, uh, the irony is uh, Ella's knowledge is um, superb. You, you would be you'd qualify as a therapist already. Um, <laughs> obviously, obviously, I'm being. Uh, if they could I, take I, podcasts yeah. for audition tapes instead of actually going to school, I might I might have a shot, but. Yeah. What's really nice is that some of the feedback we've been getting on people messaging on Instagram or emailing at talk at the panicroom.co.uk um, is that people are actually enjoying what we're talking about, Ella. I, I, mm. I, I didn't realize that it would actually be helpful to people. Um, but we've had some wonderful, wonderful feedback. Uh, we'll keep the anonymity and confidentiality, obviously. Um, but when we receive stuff like that it really kind of just gives us a bit of a boost and mm -hmm. because you know we we record and we send this out into the void um mm -hmm. and if the void comes back and says yeah we we, we find that helpful then that that gives us the the impetus to just get up and go and do it um mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. what do you know about ocd ella i just have a very surface understanding of ocd um I guess, uh, like media and culture wise, all that I really know about it is, um, I remember like Lena Dunham who created girls talking about, um, OCD because she incorporated some of her own personal experience into a few episodes of that show. Um, haven't mm. watched it since about middle of the second season, I think, but, um, yeah, she, she had this time when she was, um, she had sort of a, a, I guess a tick that, that she had to turn her head five times when she was speaking to someone, um, just have these sort of like ritualistic, uh, not even, I don't know if you can really call that a ritualistic behavior, but a behavior that, um, had to be repeated, uh, that was sort mm. of to take care of, um, some anxiety or stress that she was feeling mm. um and that was the only real sort of like depiction of it that i've seen i don't know really much of anything about ocd to be mm. honest it's it's weird because it's a term that everyone's heard of mm -hmm. um and yet people who, who really suffer with ocd including lena dunham if that's kind of a, a, a compulsive tick um mm -hmm. but people who kind of really suffer with ocd I have to look on at people almost kind of mocking it sometimes, you know, like, oh, you know, someone who keeps a tidy desk. Oh, it's my OCD. Ha <laughs> ha. Dead funny. No, it's not. That's not. Obsessive compulsive disorder is, a, is an anxiety disorder that can be mm. extremely debilitating for people. It, mm -hmm. It's, um, it, and I'll explain today why. And, and, and if there's anyone who, struggles with OCD at home or know someone, then you'll you'll understand a bit more about why it occurs. It's very treatable, and I've worked with many people um, with OCD um, very successfully. Um, yeah, that's me blowing my own trumpet. Yeah, so what? And um, 
and I'll and I'll share with you kind of how I do it today. Um, hopefully, it'll resonate with you. If it doesn't, happy to receive hate mail. Um, but I'm just going to just talk through it. Um, yeah, OCD, obsessive compulsive disorder, obsessions and compulsions. Mm. Um, one of the most common kind of stereotypes of OCD are people obsessed with cleanliness. Um, not as in the the organized cleanliness of, say, a work desk, but in general, cleanliness around contamination. So people who obsess about germs and bacteria and viruses. Um, mm. Since the outbreak of COVID-19, I've spoke to a lot of my um, therapy colleagues and the amount of OC contamination related OCD cases shot through the mm. roof. Uh, right. Obviously, no surprise there. Uh, and it's a very common presentation of OCD. Uh, I think mm. that's really important. Remember the presentations of OCD because there's mm. many of them. So the common one is, yeah, um, obsessively cleaning, disinfecting um, potential contaminants, whether it's mm -hmm. You know, I, I worked with someone many years ago and um, I did get a permission to just mention, not her, but the story. And and she said, uh, like, there was a stage where before she even got to a front door, um, she had to literally bless her, like, undress entirely mm -hmm. because the clothes themselves were the contaminants and she'd have right. to put them in a bag. And then she kind of, like, had to go into the house almost naked, bless her, because of this belief of this of this ritual almost to yeah. to not do it um people um i've met many of these in my personal life comp compulsive hand washers mm. um to the point where hands become blistered and the skin becomes burned and unhealthy mm. um because the contamination cleanliness um mm. it's, it's 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 a ritual that um uh, that people get pulled into, but there are other presentations as well. And um, see if you can remember them all, because I don't know, I might test you later again. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, you got contamination cleaning. That's the main one. You got hoarding. You know, mm. um, I know in the UK, Channel Four every year do a bloody program on hoarding and exploit these poor, vulnerable people's mm. lives of people that hoard stuff in their houses and you can't even walk through the kitchen because there's so much stuff that's hoarded. Um, you've got people obsessed with symmetry and order. Mm. So that's the bit, that's the stereotype that people mock. You know, there's, mm -hmm. there is a very broad line between people having, um, liking something really tidy and literally having anxiety as a result of things not having symmetry mm -hmm. or being the way right. they like them, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. um, another thing you have a huge part of OCD is obsessions without visible compulsions. So oh, right. uh, I, another client who I, I've got permission for from, um, and it's not a unique presentation, but he used to have one where he'd have to count in prime numbers up to – 3,000 plus before he mm. left the house. And that's exhausting mm. and taxing, but he could not do it. You know, he's not mm. necessarily cleaning or, or bleaching or whatever, but he has to do something, engage in a ritual before he could leave. Mm -hmm. And another really common one is harm obsessions. So these uh, oh. take your mind back to intrusive thoughts. 
So OCD can occur when you have an intrusive thought, i.e. what if the house burns down and I burn alive, my children burn alive and we're all roasted and no one can identify us, whatever. Um, so what people do is they engage in the compulsion of unplugging everything, going around mm. turning all the plugs off, going around mm. making sure the ovens can pulled away from the side, things like mm. that. Uh, and that's a routine that happens a lot also you can just have routines and rituals that occur just through habit just because we did it once and that's what makes us feel comfortable um mm. basically obsessive compulsive disorder is this statement epitomized and if there's one thing you want to remember ella about ocd because you, you did admit before the show i don't really know much about it it's if you remember this statement it's if I don't complete this repeated task or ritual, then something bad will happen. Right. If I don't complete this repeated task or ritual, then something bad may happen. Now, what may happen may be external. A throwback mm -hmm. to what we were talking about last time, anxiety versus anxiety disorder. It might be an external thing like the house burning down or we might contaminate our children, ourselves or the local water supply. Mm -hmm. um, or we might have to hoard stuff just in case it's something important and we need it. Uh, mm -hmm. or, or the bad thing that may happen is that we feel anxious. And that's right. it in a nutshell. So if I go back there, and to repeat myself, the first that you've got is, if I don't complete this repeated task or ritual, then something bad may happen. This may be something external from me, i.e. Mm -hmm. something awful happening like death, contamination, the house burning down, whatever. Or it might be inwards. We just mm -hmm. may feel anxious. And that's where you go into anxiety disorder territory where Actually, I just complete this obsessive compulsive ritual because I don't like feeling anxious. Right. You know? Um yeah. and people who don't have OCD can relate. And I reckon you are you've done something like this, man, because everyone's done it. When I went to school, walked to school, um, when I was a kid, my mum had already left for work. So what I'd do is I'd lock the door and then I'd have to like go back to check if the door was locked, even though I know it was locked. I have right. to really kind of move it until i felt satiated like yep yeah, that's definitely mm -hmm. locked. and that is right. a form that is a form of obsessive compulsion you know if i don't right. do that i believe something bad might happen take mm -hmm. it to the extreme and you get something quite debilitating does that mm -hmm. explanation make sense i hope it did if it doesn't then yeah. we can just delete it and re-edit it <laughs> <laughs> no yeah no that that makes a lot of sense and and all those different points that you made about um whether it's contamination hoarding was surprising to me but but does make sense when you say it but the the ways that ocd expresses itself you had a different word for that the ways that manifests the ways that it presentations it presentations yeah. the, yeah, the, the presentations of ocd yeah yeah it's it's yeah it's interesting like um separating it from the stereotype uh my cousin um had had one um where they before they went to sleep at night before they went to sleep they had to visual picture and visualize the face of everyone they loved before they were allowed to go to sleep 
you know. Wow. And my cousin's huh. not stupid. Cousin's highly intelligent. Um, but it f- plays into the same line. If I mm-hmm. don't complete this repeated task or ritual, then something bad may happen. Either mm-hmm. I feel anxious and I don't mm-hmm. like that feeling or something external. And there's that literal belief that if I don't do this, if I don't picture each family member before I go to sleep, um, then they may die. Mm-hmm. And right. it, yeah, and, and, and it's, and I suppose that's where superstition comes in. How do you think superstition mm-hmm. plays a part? Well, <sighs> Uh, yeah, I think about superstition, uh, the most recent example of like a superstition much like this, and hopefully you just get a kick out of this, was, um, uh, I met a Maple Leafs fan recently, and the poor Toronto Maple Leafs, the hockey team, they uh, always get so close, but they struggle year after year to win the Stanley Cup. Talking of stereotypes, Canadian person uh, talking about ice hockey. Uh, and this guy was like, he's the most Newfoundland Canadian I've ever listened to. And he's just like <laughs> the most Canadian guy. And he loves the Maple Leafs. And uh, I heard that like another friend was talking about listening to the Maple Leafs game with him over the radio. And he was wearing his hat and then was like, no, that's not working. And so took his hat off and put it on the dashboard of the car because he's like, OK, well, maybe that'll work. And so this idea that like if I'm in this seat, my team's going to do better than if I'm in this seat. Like there's a there's an example of sort of the superstitions that we have because it's like, well, this worked last time. Um, but when I think about um, like OCD and, and those rituals, um, even just on the spectrum of like when we have rituals for ourselves, I, uh, I can definitely see how some of the maybe unhealthy habits that I have, if they were taken to an extreme would be like that. Like um, I, try my best to keep track of different things for my business every day. And I have this real um, stress about if I don't make note of something, like what if I don't clean up on my emails? What if I don't, um, it's kind of the feeling that everything would fall apart if I don't complete this one thing. I don't have OCD, so I'm, I can take a step back and go, yeah, but it wouldn't. You'd just miss a day and then you'd have to catch up. It wouldn't it wouldn't be the worst thing. But it is quite stressful because I don't it doesn't satisfy me to think about one of those things not getting done. I kind of really, really want those boxes to be ticked. And um it it's like you've been it's kind of funny when you do something like that, because it's sort of like you've created this stress for yourself that if it isn't satiated, then it it causes anxiety. But you're the one creating that anxiety around that stress. Whereas if you just went, oh, well, that's fine. I'm not mm-hmm. going to worry about that today. Um, you know, what? like if I really did miss cleaning up all my emails one day, you know, nothing is really going to fall apart in reality. Mm-hmm. But but it does still bother me. And if, if I had a lot more anxiety around it, it could cause a lot more of a problem. Mm. Yeah, no, and and, and that's that's kind of good to identify because that is a little spark of what it's like to be. The guy, the Maple Leafs guy wearing his lucky hat or his magic hat, mm-hmm. um, again, subscribes to that thing, OCD. If I don't complete this repeated task or ritual, then mm-hmm. something bad may happen. I mean, for him, it's his 
beloved team hockey losing. team not getting a goal yeah 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 but then you take that fear to the extreme like mm-hmm. my loved one's dying the stakes are higher mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. so you know i even have silly superstitions like i don't walk under ladders i don't try not to walk over three drain covers in a row mm. um uh, and yeah, when I walk under uh, certain things, I cross my fingers and stuff. And I laugh as I do it because it's just mm, something mm-hmm. that's funny, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but when the stakes are higher, sometimes it's not safe to play around with superstition. For you know? sure. Yeah. So if you look at kind of intrusive thoughts, you know, you know, I know deep down if I don't wash my hands, the likelihood is that my loved one isn't going to die. You know, I, if I don't clean the house, like people with OCD are not stupid. Like they know Mm -hmm. this on a rational level, Mm -hmm. but when the anxiety response kicks in, Mm -hmm. what happens is it's not worth the risk. Right. You know, I don't want to kill my child by being reckless. So I'm going to compulsively clean. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, and and it's things I don't want to burn the house down, so I'm gonna. It's worth it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and going back to our favorite kind of, you know, Sally Winston, Marty Seif inspired dialogue of worried voice and false comfort and wise mind. Um, mm-hmm. OCD absolutely thrives off worried voice and false comfort and wise mind. Right. And if you've if if you've not heard those shows, we'll do a brief. Um, recap. Mm-hmm. Um, worried mm-hmm. voice is the voice that occurs when we're anxious. We go up on our scale, and it starts every thought with "what if." So, in relation to OCD, it could be, "What if by not unplugging something, the house burns down?" Or, "What if by not mm-hmm. clearing out the cat litter tray, that I feel anxious later on?" What if by not f- fulfilling my thirty-five point checklist in the evening? that I can't get mm-hmm. to sleep? What if mm-hmm. by not washing my hands, I kill my child? What if, what mm-hmm. if, what if? And it's a what if, they're just thoughts. However, mm-hmm. as we know, there's another voice called false comfort. Now, false mm-hmm. comfort says, well, don't be silly, that's not going to happen. And then immediately we've engaged in the in the conversation because then worried voice says, yeah, but what if it does? I mean, that's horrendous. Can you imagine if that bad thing happened? And mm-hmm. false comfort says, Actually, you're right. Yeah, the stakes are too high. Make sure you're safe. And mm. people with OCD get caught in that cycle. Clients I work mm. with with OCD get caught in that cycle um, mm. of worried voice, false comfort, and subscribing to the behaviors that false comfort suggests. What do you mm. think wise mind, and by the way, wise mind is basically what our rational brain, our calm brain, which never turns off. What do you think wise mind saying during all of that? Yeah, um well, if I were to take my example that I used before to an extreme and say that uh like say that I did have uh a lot of anxiety around not um putting my numbers into spreadsheets before the day's done, like keeping my budget and like entering some certain things basically doing a bunch of checklist items. Um the role of wise mind is i think not taking things so binary so not to go 
everything will be saved if you do put this in, everything will be lost if you forget to do it or if you don't have time in the day to do it. But wise mind is that voice that's saying, yeah, if you miss a day, it's not the end of the world. It's not ideal because you want to stay relatively on top of things. But but actually, as I was getting a lot of things, um, this year has been really different for like getting a business going and stuff. And I had to have <laughs> my coach tell me at one point, I was having uh, basically a therapy session with this um, business coach. And and she was like, what do you think is going to happen if you don't have a day where you hit all of those marks? And that's when I realized that was where all of my anxiety was, is that I had this fear of like falling back into all of these old habits if I didn't accomplish this thing. If I didn't so you yourself had your own ritual. Yeah, yeah. And it was good just to then kind of purposefully miss a day and go, yeah, nothing fell apart. This is fine. I feel like that's where my wise mind was, was to go like, like nothing bad is really really gonna happen because you're now aware of how important this is to you and so you're not gonna just stop doing it you're gonna pick it up two days later you're gonna get back on top of it but you're not gonna fall apart and completely change lifestyle and like forget everything about yourself because you forgot to do it for one day which is i think where a lot of the fear was it was fear of becoming lazy like that's a crazy thing to be fearful of because it's like well if you're aware of it then it's not gonna happen like mm. it's not it's not you're not gonna fall into those same patterns. Um that's to me the the role of the wise mind is just to always take like the your wise mind can almost like take a step back and look at you at the point in now, but also mm. like a week ago and a week ahead and go like, is this really is this just a now stress or is this something that's really gonna absolutely like, absolutely kind of, and and when i work with i mean it's for the sake of a podcast episode ocd can take quite a while to um to work with um mm. it depends really sometimes it doesn't sometimes it does um and i don't want it to sound oversimplified because because it's not but just in in t talking about it in theory this is kind of how you do it and you you use a lot of exposure work with it so, mm. for example, if I work with someone who has a 30-point checklist before bed, mm. you know, which is keeping them up half the night anyway, what I'd do is mm. I'd use graded exposure with them and say, right, well, perhaps can we take two things off that ritual? Mm. So go ahead and do the ritual, you know, because I don't need to tell this person that, this ri that the ritual is absurd. They know but they're mm. doing it because they don't want to feel anxious for bed or they're doing it because they don't mm. want the catastrophe to happen. What worried voice is suggesting to them. Mm -hmm. um, and so you practice a little bit of time. And then once you take a couple of things off the ritual, you practice a bit more and you practice a bit more and yeah, it is uncomfortable. So you're probably not, these people aren't going to sleep at the time. They usually fall to sleep. Mm -hmm. They're not gonna, mm -hmm. um, everything is out of balance for a little bit. But it's about teaching the mind that actually nothing truly bad happens as a result of not of listening to false comfort and doing these rituals. Um, mm. Because as we know, false comfort is the voice that makes you want to avoid. Um, mm -hmm. If it's agoraphobia, false comfort makes you not want to leave the house. Just avoid. Mm -hmm. If it's panic attacks, false comfort will tell you to avoid going to social events or going to work or going on public transport. You know, if it's health, anxiety, false comfort will avoid, help you to avoid the uncertainty by seeking reassurance on Google and Google searching mm -hmm. and doing a lot of things like that. 
And in OCD, false comfort is the voice that perpetuates the ritualistic behavior. Mm. I'm afraid this will be happen, will happen. And false comfort will go, well, have you noticed that every time you've done that ritual, nothing bad's happened? And so mm. it convinces you that the ritual is the reason why the disaster doesn't happen. Or it right. convinces you that the ritual is the reason why you don't feel anxious. So going back to my mm. cousin, my cousin, what false comfort starts to believe is that, okay, well, because you've pictured all your loved ones' faces before you go to sleep and they've not died, then it's the ritual that's prevented it. Right. Yeah, there's a link between those two things. Yeah. When there isn't, they're completely non-sequential. Mm -hmm. But that's what false comfort does. It's, it's like a bad mm. politician. It's convincing you of something that has absolutely zero credit or relation for it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and that's it. And, and kind of, if anyone has OCD at home or knows someone, you can, I hear you. It's very distressing. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't have, I do have actually traits of OCD that I still work with now, but mine are almost entirely cognitive. Um, mm. so the kind of mental rituals, compulsive checking, things like that, that I still have to wrestle with now and then. Um, but in general, um, I know how distressing it can be and life hindering and it, and it, and it infects people's infects the wrong word, but kind of affects people's relationships mm -hmm. and and it can be very difficult um for people so you know i do if anyone gets anything from this if you know someone who's actually got a diagnosis of ocd they might be going for a bit of a tricky time mm -hmm. also similarly they might have actually worked extremely hard to get to a place where it actually doesn't affect them at all you know mm -hmm. not affect them mm -hmm. at all but affect their actual lives Right. Uh, and yeah. I find that remarkable. I find those people absolutely remarkable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's hard to see, like, really what's under the surface with someone when you just see that. I, I was interested when you were talking about um, the graded exposure because or, or that that's something that you you often go to when you're helping someone with OCD because I know in previous episodes we've talked about um, for example agoraphobia if you were to like never do this awful experiment if you were to you know blind someone put them on a plane they wake up in France they have no idea like where they are and they're out of the house and they might have a panic attack, but then they'd realize, oh, I'm I'm here. I've been exposed to the thing that I most fear and nothing bad has happened. Yeah, and that would work. With, in theory, it would work. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's not ethical, theory, right. but it would work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And with OCD, it's it's uh, the, the graded approach is maybe kind of more what you lean towards for OCD because to take on changes can be such a dramatic thing to do for a person that actually like taking one thing off of that 35 point checklist could be enough of a change that that's just the first that's that's a good first step is just to like nudge someone out of the ritual as opposed to trying to like 
you know, radically yeah. changing completely. So, so if you were to, yeah, think about like a practical piece of advice for someone trying to support someone in their life with OCD, like a friend or a family member, um, aside from, you know, trying to be honest and truthful about canceling, it's just a, a healthy thing for you and it's never going to do harm. What would you maybe suggest to them as, as someone who's concerned about someone that they love with that has OCD and how to um, help their environment or kind of push them in the right direction or anything like that? Well, there's even stuff like this. I was listening to a podcast on OCD the other day and I, and I, I didn't realize it was this and that. And apparently these guys mm. say it can be treated, et cetera, et cetera. Normalizing. You don't ever want to tell someone to go to therapy, mm, you know, because mm-hmm. I mean, you know, well, how would you take that if someone came up to you and said, you need to go to therapy? <laughs> yeah. It's like, go away. And, and the same with how exposure is good and can work and you know i'll take that from my social anxiety experiences like sometimes you do just have to jump in and do something but you never know what jumping in feels like for someone else i guess like someone with ocd one small change could be jumping in it could be a huge change in their life and so if there is someone with ocd in your life you know don't go messing up their house just to try to give them an exposure effect it's like i think it's a lot more nuanced than that that could just be a very small change that has a really really big effect Mm. yeah no definitely definitely and um when i'm working with people if any kind of half decent therapist is working with ocd the aim isn't to eradicate all obsessive compulsions Mm. it's to eradicate the ones that are significantly hindering people's lives some people will have nervous tics you mentioned Lena mm-hmm. Dunham about doing the, the neck crick and things like that. Some people have little nervous rituals, and compulsions, and, and if they don't affect your life or affect your relationships or anything, generally regarded as not a problem. Yeah, you know, let them you know, be what they're going to be. Yeah, I have my own nervous tics as well. Don't you may have noticed when I've when you've we've hung out or we've been out as I have nervous tics where I have like, I go in with like my whole face scrunches up and I, and I, and I don't care, you know, like mm. if I really cared what people thought in that sense, then maybe I'd take it to therapy and then I'd work on it But because I don't mm. care. You know, I, you know, if people ask me like, yeah, it's my nervous tick. You know, who cares? Mm. You know, I, I, I really don't care. Yeah. I'm a psychotherapist. Mm-hmm. I don't care that this is, this mm-hmm. isn't affecting my life. Yes. However, if yeah. it was a point where like I had to keep going home to check if my door was locked or, I have to keep mm. unplugging stuff mm. and that suddenly makes me late for work and I can't sleep and suddenly I'm getting panic as a result of it. Then that's the stuff that's there, the obsessive compulsions and irrational cat- catastrophic beliefs that, that we'd be working on, mm-hmm. you know, but if someone mm-hmm. has to tap a door five times or tap, tap a wall five times before they enter a room and it's not really bothering them or they're not bothered, mm. it's not really, then just leave them. Yeah, you know, yeah. You go with you go with the, what the what the client wants. You go with what the person wants, mm-hmm. uh, and that's why I'd say to anyone listening at home: if you've got OCD and you've got loads of these compulsions, just pick the ones that you think actually this is really hindering my life, and I'd like to kind of mm-hmm. kind of address it to get a bit more of, of my life back. Then yeah, you know, mm-hmm. work on them. And um, a very good cognitive behavioural therapist will help you with that. But just make mm. sure you get a good one, 
You know, mm-hmm. just because someone says they're trained in something doesn't mean they're a good therapist. You've got to have a connection with them. And I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that really needs to be said these days when the whole world of that is changing. Like some people get along great with these sort of like, I don't know, like instant message style, like trying to just address particular problems. Some people, no, you need to try out five therapists before you really find someone that is going to understand you. So that's a good thing to mention that every experience Mm. is different when it comes to that. Oh, definitely, definitely. Yeah. So what do you know about, oh, I'm not going to give a quiz, but well, there is kind of, what, how so would you summarize? All right, Come on, I'll just give you one, me. I'll give you an essay question uh, okay. before we finish up. Uh, what do you now know about OCD that you didn't know before? <laughs> Nothing. I wasn't even listening. No. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, I was able to make the link in my head now between... Um, uh, in particular, what surprised me the most was hoarding, but that actually really makes a lot of sense because if OCD is um, compulsive behavior that's meant to make us feel more secure and have false comforts, that makes a lot of sense that people who um, have to have two cupboards full of toilet paper or need to save every picture frame that uh, has ever pass through their house just in case they get a photo and they need a they need a spare picture frame for it and hang it up like those types of things i'm actually able to understand how they could be linked a bit more to ocd and that it's very um or depending on the person it can be very hidden under the surface i think is another thing that really stuck out to me that um that someone that I know right now one of my friends could be struggling with OCD and I would barely even know it because it might not manifest in uh, behaviors that I can see every day, but it could be more like when they're stressed and all these behaviors about needing Mm. symmetry and needing um, order and cleanliness and um, being worried about germs. Um, I think I'll perhaps not necessarily tread more lightly in the world, but just be a bit more aware of that, that um, certainly for, for a while I've thought about like whenever I am trying to make a joke about myself being really organized or something, I've in recent years tried to use the word meticulous instead of saying OCD. Cause I just think that's not very kind to people who are actually struggling with OCD and would go, are you joking? You don't know the half of it. You have no idea what this is like, but I think by remembering that it's a lot less visible than people might think, I think I will um, just operate a little, a little micro differently in the world by realizing it could be something that people around mm. me could be struggling with. Good, good, and if you can kind of have that awareness as well, I think I think that's really great, um, and it's really important. Um, yeah, I hope this was helpful to anyone um, listening at home. If you've got any questions or suggestions for Ella and myself, perhaps um, in relation to this show or for future shows, drop an email at talk at thepanicroom.co.uk. Alternatively, you can contact us on Instagram, which is thepanicpod. Um, go check out Ella's Instagram, uh, Ella of the Net. Or you can check out mine, Anxiety Josh. Um, have I missed anything out here? I can't. We always do this, don't we? 
No, I think that's not very, not, pretty much not very, not very refined. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's, um, that's all that's can... about contacting. Yeah, and we could do that. And um, yeah, I look forward to discussing what we can do next time, Mella. Really happy that we've got these shows back recording again. I absolutely love doing it. And thank you for mm-hmm. being the best co-host anyone could ask for. The best amateur therapist on a podcast that's remote ever. <laughs> you sounded like a, that sounded like a Dylan Hartman joke or something from like Rick and Morty or something. <laughs> <laughs> just, just winging it. I, I, have like, a very, I have a very specific niche. Podcast amateur therapist that doesn't record in the same room. There we go. <laughs> Absolutely. Who cares? It's great. <laughs> Alright, thank you very much, Ella. I will catch you next time for another installment of the Panic Pod. Talk to you soon, Josh. Bye. See you later. Bye-bye.